Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. Feel free to connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's doing better than Manny Acho. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Keeping my, my hips on the swivel, not just straight back pedaling. No, I, um, I'm i feeling good, Gerald. It's uh, it's just about to be my uh, my wife's birthday here coming up in a, in a week. So I got some exciting things planned for her. Again, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm not worried about spoiling. I'm not going to say it just in case. But uh, yeah, I got some, you know, I, am, uh, I, I like to plan things for her. I like to give the gifts. I, I didn't ever think I would feel selfish childish kyle would just want to receive gifts but that's how you know you found love gerald when you get the joy of gift giving now that we found love what are we gonna do with it <laughs> sorry i'm not gonna break out in song but it just it it was too perfect you kind of yeah you kind of allied that one up there and i had to oop it and for listeners of this podcast they found love in a hopeless place um now we'll, we'll, let's just leave it we're good we're good. You're not, we're not talking about basketball today, Kyle. There is still some hope. We're talking about football. We're doing our the next of our kind of uh, season in review retrospective Thursday shows. And so last week we talked about the passing game. So now we're going to talk about the run game. Next week we'll be talking about the offensive line specifically. We'll have a special guest to discuss that. But over the year, Texas had what I would like to call an up and down relationship with the running game on the year they had 480 attempts 20 almost nearly 2300 yards which is 4.75 yards per carry not a bad clip 26 total touchdowns I believe seven of those came from the quarterback Texas average this is a differential that I was really interested in 5.34 yards per carry and wins 3.68 Yards per carry and losses. That's a key performance indicator for Texas. There's a lot of stats out there, Kyle. But when you think back to what the story of Texas on the ground would be in the 2019 season, how, how would you describe it? Before you get into any stats and talk about anything, I think you're you're disingenuous to the listeners. I, I am positive that people come back and listen to our titled episode years and years later to hear our nuanced takes on them you know if you really need to you're new you just got to ut go back listen to our archives for the past three years you're going to learn some things so for the folks who maybe you're coming back to this in let's say 2027 um you know thank you to our alien overlords but uh know this that all of the things we're going to talk about in this run game we're, we're couching a big giant enormous caveat that this is one of the worst you know injury uh, riddled running back rooms I have ever seen. I mean, at the beginning of the year when, you know, running back one, RB1, two, three, and four are out. Well, it's okay. Our hottest scout team preferred walk. Oh, no, he's hurt too. Okay, bring, you know, uh, the guy who just got a scholarship as a defensive back over. Get the linebacker who only had three carries in high school. Bring him over. You know, it was 
truly dire times, dire times that we're about to talk in very much seriousness about a quarterback who had no experience ever playing as a running back, moving over to that position and being, you know, option one B. So, I mean, just all of those caveats need to be taken in. But then when you, when you consider that, I do think that there were times that we got the running game really going. Like you said, your stat, how they looked in wins. And there was multiple times that both coach Herman and, uh, Coach Beck uh, said that they abandoned the run too early. They didn't stick to it. They didn't really focus on establishing it. And so I, I think it is very much, like you said, a key indicator, a key performance indicator for success of this offense last year. And I don't think that's going to change next year. I think as we see Yursich and, and Stan Drayton and Herb Hand kind of get into the lab and look at what Texas has and what Texas is bringing to the table, I don't anticipate the running game taking a step back. I think Keontae is just going to get more comfortable and feel better running behind his pads. I think you'll be able to have a guy, like even if Roshan, which I don't think he will, if even if Roshan moves back to running back, you'll have hopefully maybe a Jordan Whittington. You have a Bijan Robinson coming in who could probably step in and be a 1A guy for you. You still have Danny Young on campus. Uh, You've got Darian Brown, who's still on the way back, but I think if he can be even... 75% 75% of the player he was before can be a really, really solid running back for Texas. And so I don't see that. Um, I don't see that. But but the fact that Texas was even in a position to need to move a former walk-on to running back, they, it, like, it, they could have gone down to the intramural fields and just be like, hey, you're doing okay in this flag football game. Come on over. Texas should never be, and I don't think will ever, at least in recent or near future reckoning, be in that position again. Right. Because the last th- the the Tennille Cardo situation was weird. The Kyle Porter got passed up and didn't really want to stick around. So like you lose those two guys. If either of those guys stick around, it's a different situation. Uh, but neither here nor there that we got Texas had to play the, the hand that it was dealt and it was played pretty okay. Sometimes Keontae Ingram, uh, had a, had a decent season, uh, knocked on the door. I think if Texas played one more game, he could have gotten real close to a thousand yards, 144 carries, 853 yards, a 5.92 yards per carry clip, seven touchdowns turned in 400 yard rushing games, uh, Oklahoma state, Kansas, Kansas state, and that one in Utah it was Texas's 21st hundred yard performance in a bowl game. Uh, he had six, uh, he had six games where he averaged more than seven yards a carry. So Roshan had some spots where he struggled, but when he was on, man, he was freaking on. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, t- we, we sat there and talked about, literally getting down to QB four and then him being injured and, and looking at Darian Brown, a guy who wasn't able to play. And it's like, who, who is going to step up? You have to say for every stat about Roshan, he was unbelievably healthy for a guy who played quarterback and made it his business to not get hit in high school. And, and, racked up an insane amount of rushing yards, mainly by just sliding by and slithering past and then outrunning people down the field. Um, He was able to take a pounding. I mean, his 123 carries came with a lot of him finishing every single one of those runs for an extra yard or two, falling forward, taking guys down who deem, you know, worthy to try to tackle him. I mean, I... Truly an impressive running back performance in how hard and how gutsy he ran. And then again, was able, fortunately, to buck the trend of injury and, and be able to stay healthy for an entire year while we kind of sewed up and mended uh, in in the other places. But Roshan just truly um, 
when he had it, again, I talk about every game, every run, you knew what you were getting with him was a guy who was willing to put his head down. Maybe he missed some holes occasionally. Maybe he, you know, should have been a little more patient on a couple runs and waited for it to open up. But, you know, he, he ended up averaging over five yards a carry for this season. Um, it was fantastic. When he got on the goal line, he was very good with his seven touchdowns. Um, he had multiple, multiple rushes over 20 yards where he really, truly just got through the first line and got downhill and looked like a real, you know, potential game breaker. So, um just, I think, one of my favorite seasons from a UT player of all time was Roshan this past year, pressed into the role that he was and how he rose to that occasion. There were spots where he looked more explosive than Keontae. Oh, Keontae yeah. was kind of known for his, I see, I see a seam, I hit a seam. And some of that, I think we talked about it throughout the season, Roshan is a very cerebral guy. He's a very in-his-head guy, and I think he sometimes overthinks things. And this, and maybe I'm talking out of the side of my neck on this, but I think some of Roshan's inexperience not knowing to press, not knowing where he probably could or should uh, or where maybe Keontae would clinch up and try to press a little bit. Roshan was just out there like, I see space. I'm going to hit that space as hard as I yeah. can and see what happens. And he had some plays that would be hashtag for the culture a lot of times where he just like, there's a pile of dudes. I'm going to put my face in it and keep my legs churning and push this pile another three yards. And that's what Texas needed in a lot of spots. And so I think Roshan was, and and I think the OU game was kind of his breakout. Um, We can talk more about that, but like that is a dude that, if he walks into a coach's office and is just like, hey, coach, this is what I think, you've got to go with that because he's earned your respect after what he did this year. I couldn't agree more with that. And, I mean, you look at it, right? They kind of traded off. Uh, Keontae Ingram did have four 100-yard games. Roshan was just a basically another carry away from uh, three. He did have two this year. All four of Keontae's, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Utah, were in wins. Both of Roshan's, West Virginia and Texas Tech, were in wins. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if that five yards would have changed the OU game, but he was, you know, we were close in that game because he averaged 12 yards of carry and was able to kind of get us into some spots when we really needed it. And, and again, was just shy of a hundred yards, but I mean, it translates very directly when these two guys are going off. And when you talk about what we have coming in the fall, when you, when you fold Bijan and Whittington uh, into that group with some dynamic players and you start talking about when Texas gets a hundred yard rusher, you know, they like, likely win those games when Texas, you know, wins, they are averaging five plus yards. So the, the, the running game and the ability to get big plays and consistent plays from that unit certainly will dictate the Texas offense. And I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. I know your, your is going to come in with a little different, you know, scheme and feel to it. Um, but he's always been known. And we had uh, Philip Slavin on here talking the other day about his ability, his ability to MacGyver that with significantly less talented running back rooms, how to get hundred yard games out of those units. So I, I do think that, uh, that, He's a guy who's dedicated to making the run game work. And I think when you look back on this year and you look at really, you know, Danny Young did have some contributions, but a two-man unit. Um, I think they both uh, achieved. For Keontae, you expect a little more and you hope the junior year is the year where he makes the step. For Roshan, you expected way less. And you hope he can basically maintain and even build a little more on it. Yeah, and and again, I think that's really contingent on what Roshan 
decides to do. There's been a lot of reporting right. that he wants to move back to quarterback, and I think that's fine, especially with Yersich coming in. That type of development, I think probably Sam uh, will get the the lion's share, you could say, of development, and then probably uh, Hudson Card behind him as one of the early enrollees and the early enrollee that's not currently injured. So I think those two guys... But, when you've got talents like Roshan Johnson and hopefully Jaquin and Jackson is able to rehab from that knee injury, uh, we could talk about that. I think Roshan's future is probably not at running back. Or maybe it could be. I don't know. Roshan is a guy that I think you need to have on the field, and mm-hmm. so maybe let him compete uh, in 20, 2021 when it's an open competition. And then if it doesn't, you have the conversation with him. Hey, Ro, we, we value your heck of an athlete. Let's get you on the field somewhere. You've seen a guy in Bijan who has never had the level of competition that's even challenged him. And so you have to, you know, now I'm even talking in all the all-star games and everything, but you have to wonder if he comes in and he's, he, it is the real deal. He is that good. I don't think he's going to average 15 yards a carry in college, but if he's still, if he's basically able to, you know, immediately suck in all of Roshan's production and is a guy who's been playing the running back position has the unbelievable, you know, vision who knows how to do some of the things. I still think some of the stuff we talked about growing pains with both these backs of pass protection. Some of those things come to the issue just where the college game is a step up, no matter where you played your high school and it, and it does matter. But I think if he comes in and, and instantly looks that good. And then again, you fold in uh, Jordan Whittington as well, then maybe that helps um, color that, that decision. But I do think that you have three guys after Keontae Ingram who all need to be on the field a heck of a lot because they are they are incredible athletes, incredible competitors in Whittington, Bijan Robinson, and Roshan Johnson. I'm glad you mentioned Whittington because he's a guy that I don't know where his future is. And I think he's a guy that coaches said going into the season that they didn't plan on redshirting him because he wasn't going to be around long enough to do that anyway. So the fact that an injury kind of held him back and hopefully fingers crossed pray who to whoever you choose to pray to uh, he's able to get fully recovered from that injury. He's another guy that I think you just like throw him out there and line him up wherever he's again. We talked about it a lot. Ramon's Taylor without the off field stuff like Ramon's Taylor without all of the knucklehead stuff he did. Uh, Ramon's Taylor was a big chunk of a national championship team. And I'm not saying that that is a fair expectation for Texas as it exists right now, but I think he could be a big piece of a very special, special team. So I guess we got to kind of spin it forward a little bit, Kyle. Texas for 2020 looks like it has its running back. It's RB1 Keontae Ingram heading into camp, uh, spring camp at least because Bijan is not there. Uh, all all signs point to Bijan being a day one player kind of guy. So that's probably your number two. Whittington competing in there again, depending on where he lands. Roshan competing depending on where he lands. What do you what do you want to see in spring practice and in the spring game from this unit uh, to to help you kind of spin forward and extrapolate a little bit for twenty twenty? Well, I mean, I think you bring the obviously in the offensive coordinator, you bring someone who was able to put together a really lethal running attack at Ohio State. So you say, okay, like they did it with having a lot of guys in a, in a clear identity. Can we establish that? Can we start to see that? Can we see the best out of Keontae Ingram? And, and if not, like there is no guarantee that it's his spot and everyone else is behind him. If one of those three guys that we just talked about steps up, if Roshan makes a step having an offseason and if he chooses to play running back and he makes a step, he might be your new running back. If Whittington truly, you know, the receivers 
we're going to talk about them, or we did talk about them um, last week in the passing game. The receivers is a stacked room. If they feel like he can get the ball more immediately, a lot out of the backfield, maybe he ends up being, you know, taking the majority of the snaps there. And and one that I think is not entirely unlikely, maybe Bijan comes in and just looks like the prodigal son, looks like, you know, the next Ricky Earl etc all um and and he's able to come in as a freshman and immediately contribute you know 100 carries plus um 150 you know who knows then you know there is a chance that he could be your rb1 at some point in next season and and so i I, i'm just curious to see where everyone kind of kind of fits in where their strengths are and, and and watch the coaching staff realize that and build the offense around it because there is a chance that this is your strength the next year it's not like oklahoma state with chuba hubbard where you just know chuba left chuba right chuba up the middle and let him break a couple of game on on sprinters and eventually he's going to get his 2000 yards or whatever it isn't that it isn't a one-man show it is that you have distinct runners with distinct skill sets and they are going to have to fold that in and kind of build that into the offensive attack one you look at what yersich has done with one, two punches like that. He had Chuba and uh, Justice, Justice Hill. So like you've got a lot of, when, when he's got talent, he, he likes to use it. And as your core, as your pass game is trying to get young receivers, confident and young receivers going hand the ball off as much as you can. If you're cracking off five yards of carry, then do it until they stop. And the best way to get a young receiver in rhythm is to get him a wide open pass for a touchdown. And, and I'm, I, I think, I'm not the old school, you have to establish the run kind of guy. I think as much to fans chagrin, things like bubble screens and wide receiver screens and things like that are essentially running plays as well. But I think when you've got the beef, you've got to feed it. And and being able to hand the ball off to those guys will be a big boon for an, an offense trying to figure out what its identity is in a critical year. Jared, let me let me say this. Total, you know, rush yards is not the the only barometer. So I'm going to use a yards per game statistic. But let me ask you this first: What do these four teams have in common? Navy, Air Force, Army, and Kentucky, in reference to the last season. Uh, well, um, service academy, so probably a five plus yards per carry mark. Uh, correct. They all do. Is that something else that I'm looking for? These are these are these are op, triple option teams. Kentucky ran kind of a a you know NCAA 13 uh, speed option really because they you know were able to do something incredible to save their season when they had a quarterback room that almost looked like our running back room when they they ran out and moved their best player who was a receiver to quarterback. They became a a run with the quarterback uh, first team, but also ran the ball a ton. I mean, they were the the four teams that ran the ball the most without a doubt um they had very minuscule passing presence um throughout the season they are the only four teams that averaged more rushing yards per game than a mike yursich ohio state team where he was the run game coordinator right so or the, excuse me the the um the pass game coordinator so a guy who you know was able to build a running game and then throw a lethal passing attack on top of that. If he can basically pick that motto up, I, I hear what you're saying about not having to establish the run, but I mean, you look at the success, obviously they weren't able to beat Clemson. Um, but you know, if you follow their beat writers, they were the best team in the country at, at halftime of the national championship game. But uh, you know, truly they, they, they were, they were a little bit away from playing, LSU for a national championship. They were that good um, this year. And, 
he was the guy who architected, you know, a really lethal passing game on top of a rushing game. You know what I would love for Sam Ellinger? I would love that we're talking about how effective our uh, quarterback and passing game was because we just established the run and he was able to do play action like we had when we, you know, really were successful for the only time uh, under Charlie Strong with, with Deontay Foreman. So if we could get a play action pass type offense for Sam Ellinger, where you have a play action pass, you know, in his, his deep ball uh, gives him a chance to let a guy have a step on it or uh, gives him the, the RPO play action pass offense. Like, man, that's a real dangerous Sam Ellinger offense. And so I'm, I'm, I'm salivating at the opportunity. If everything goes right. And I, again, always caution myself from sunshine pumping, but if all the pieces fit and everything comes together with the skills that they have on here, this can be a really, really, really good part of a really, truly elite offense next season. So now we enter the time where the players are with uh, Yancey. Yancey will get their bodies right, hopefully, for the next several months before uh, spring practice. So we'll see more from the running game when uh, when spring ball rolls around. But next week, we'll bring the offensive line unit into this. We'll have a special guest, a former Texas offensive lineman and a current skills trainer. Uh, Donald Hawkins is going to come on and uh, give us some insight from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, about what the offensive line uh, did last year, what they looked like, and what they could do to improve for 2020. All right, so now it's the uh, the favorite time of the week where we take a look at the world through burnt orange lenses, um, and we take a look at the, the landscape of all sports with a with a burnt orange tinged glass. So we're going to start with uh, with NFL, but we're going to start with the guys who played NFL a long time ago. The uh, the 2020 Pro Football Hall of Fame class was announced uh, this past week and uh, there was a Longhorn amongst them. Former Texas All-American Bobby Dillon uh, was selected to the Pro Bowl Hall of Fame, becoming the fifth Longhorn to make the Hall of Fame um, with Bobby Lane, Tom Landry, Earl Campbell, um, and now uh, Bobby Dillon. Um, the uh, the the four players plus excuse me, Tech Schramm. Sorry, didn't play at UT, but did graduate with a journalism degree. So Gerald, there is still hope for us. I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame ship sailed for me in approximately sixth grade, Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's fair enough, but just goes to show you know there's always there's always time. Um, unfortunately, uh, Bobby. Dylan did pass away last year, so didn't get to uh, to go up on stage himself. But nonetheless, a fantastic honor for the Longhorns. A guy who I, I didn't actually know. I knew he played defensive back. That's literally the extent that I knew. But uh, in 94 career games, 52 career NFL receptions. Like that's a real good, uh, real good number. Early DBU candidate. Uh, holds the Packers career record for interceptions number two in the NFL when he retired um, still holds records for return yardage touched it returned for touchdowns just a really fantastic player and also named after one of my favorite singers Bobby Dylan um, <laughs> so uh, the the other kind of running back who was uh, was talked about in this past week during the the uh, the national championship game they they unveiled um, the or last week I guess they unveiled the uh, final piece of the ESPN poll that that we complained about on this very podcast and they at least got one thing right Earl Campbell was number seven all time on the ESPN 150 it doesn't make up for Vince Young being too low but it is at least I think a uh, justified position for a player who is larger than life 
a lot of that was a weird conversation because, like, the fact that there wasn't a guy that played after, what, like, 1985 yeah. is a bit interesting. Uh, but or I think Earl, it's hard to argue with him being one of the top one of the top running backs at, at any level of all time. I think you could have him in the NFL conversation as well. And I think I'm just going to get on this rant because I have a podcast and some of these people don't. If you don't, if you think that the fact that Jim Brown did not win the Heisman is a disqualifier for him being the number one player of all time. You don't realize that a, that an African-American player had never won the Heisman before, and the fact that he did not win it is part of the reason why Ernie Davis, from the same school, won it a few years later, also having an incredible career. So that's just a long other conversation that we have that people just seem to forget that U.S. and college football history are a bit checkered when you get like pre-1980 or so. Oh yeah, even for the Texas Longhorns, it is part of our history that we have to grapple with being the last non-segregated team to win a national championship. It's not beautiful, but it is our legacy and we have grown from it. Moving, we had some future Longhorns. We talked about the Longhorns of yore um, in the final, I think, high school all-star game uh, going on, the Polynesian Bowl, which, by the way, Gerald, there was only about 19 people in the entire stands down in Hawaii. Um, you and I need to find a way to get down there in the future. Just, you know, we'll, we'll write it off business expense. But uh, we had two Longhorns, future Longhorns, uh, Bijan uh, Robinson and Prince Dorba playing in this game. Bijan had eight carries for 108 yards. Typical Bijan day um, and a touchdown that he actually had to power in. They gave him a goal line carry and you saw that, um, you know, sometimes he does get touched, but he still got a touchdown. Prince Dorba himself had a, had a fumble recovery, but there was good marks for both of these guys, especially for Bijan. Bijan looks like the real deal. He was one of the top five players offensively by by several people that, uh, that write about it, that covered that game. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm old enough and have an almost three-year-old where an 11 o'clock p.m. kick is a little late for me, so I didn't get to watch much <laughs> of it. Uh, but I think we'll be... Uh I think we'll I think we'll be okay. We're Texas is in good hands. The kind of uh, additional people going to new schools. We had the uh, the long awaited announcement uh, that came out last week of where Houston quarterback and preseason Heisman hopeful Derek King will be heading. When he chose to sit out this year, there was many who I think, including us, correctly thought that that was a uh, a death knell for his time at U of H. There was worries that he might go to one of our opponents next season, including the OU single season quarterback factory um, that has been of late or LSU trying to replace a Joe Burrow, but he will be joining uh, my boy. I guess you, you're not the biggest fan of, of Manny Diaz, um, but the, uh, or at least what he did to the other team, but the, um, the Miami hurricanes, Gerald, any thoughts? I'm taking aback by this, Kyle. <laughs> If, for those of you that don't know, Tate Martell's real name is Tathan, and he transferred there to be the starter. Now he's, uh, I think, the fourth stringer is what this turns out to be. Um, he's gonna get a hardship waiver, Gerald. He's gonna be at OU next year. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know. Like, it's kind of cheap to kick him in while he's down four spots on the depth chart, but it kind of feels like the right thing to do because he brings it on himself with stupid things he says on the internet. He really, really does. Makes the Miz look like a, uh, a quiet uh, choir boy. So um, the, uh, the, the the last football that shall be played this uh, this year before we head truly into a football nether offseason is the superb owl Gerald. The Super Bowl on February 2nd will feature some Longhorns. Uh, Texas alum Kyle Shanahan's 49ers beat the Longhornless 
Packers. That goes to show. Can't make the big show without a Longhorn on it. 37-20. You actually informed me, Gerald, there is more than just what I have been saying all year. This is a two-man Longhorn show with Kyle Shanahan and, of course, Marquise Goodwin. Gerald, let the uh, listeners know. Who's the third? You may, you may know the name Richard Hightower. He is uh, He was a three-year letterman at Texas, played quite a bit on uh, on special teams. He actually had a academic scholarship and then earned an athletic scholarship after becoming a walk-on uh, under Mac Brown. So he's one of those guys. He um, he's like been coaching the NFL for like 13 years, played a lot, uh, coached in a lot of different places, but landed as a special teams coordinator for uh, Coach Shanahan out there in uh, in San Fran. Respect. That's amazing. That's literally I, I'm learning like the rest of you listeners. That's why you come to this. Po- that's why I record every week so I can learn some stuff from Gerald. But on the other side uh, of the superb. Owl, we have the Alex Okafor-led Kansas City Chiefs. I guess Patrick Mahomes in there somewhere. Um, beating the Kenny Vaccaro Tennessee Titans 35-24 to to see a, a, a Super Bowl with Longhorns competing against each other, which means you can't just pick one team uh, because they have the Longhorns. So I guess if you have to do that, the 49ers have three. To my knowledge, the one with the uh, with the Chiefs. So uh, I think that's, that's point, point 49ers if you go from a pure burn orange perspective either way texas is getting another super bowl winner there it which is. is a win for me which oh. is, it's a win for me i love it so one thing that we had some people tweeting about and and uh, uh i saw all over just the the general twitter is the, the, the this crazy stat that pat mahomes is the first quarterback to start the super bowl from a d1 college in texas now that's a stat that has some caveats built right into it um but it is slightly misleading it's true he is that unfortunately um you know that the Super Bowl started in 1967, so you miss Bobby Lane's you know wonderful run where he made it to three straight Super Bowls um, and, and almost made it to you know four in like five or six years, whenever that was in '57, uh, when he broke his leg in the the second to last week of the season, and the Lions went on to win, anyways. But uh, you know th- there is that, and then you have SMU's Dandy Don Meredith, who took the Cowboys in their early years um, to the NFL Championship game, the last two of them, '66, '67, um, and then a big Cam Newton size caveat as well because they said D1 college because I think at first the stat was Texas college and uh, don't 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 forget the Blinn Pirates all right they are champions of in, in their own right and also the most respected university um, in the Bryan College Station area. I wish I had commentary on this, Kyle, but I <laughs> the the quickest way to get proven wrong on the internet is to have an opinion on the internet and so I think it's it's just, it's fine if. If you want to find out a fact, just blatantly state a wrong fact, and people will jump to correct you. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I, uh, I, 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 did, I did the work there, the internet troll and sleuthing. So in good burnt orange longhorn news, we get to tell a happy story to end the podcast. Baseball will be retiring Houston Street's number 25 jersey this season. The date of the jersey retirement ceremony is yet to be determined, but uh, nonetheless will be an exciting moment for I think the program in a moment that they need it probably as they they had a rough year last year and they're looking to really recover and and uh, they've brought some new coaches in and kind of new direction and who better to honor and, and remember the standard that was left um, just a few years ago Houston Street again a three-time All-American 2002 College Series most outstanding player just a truly truly remarkable I don't think by any metric you can make an all-time greatest you know 
college World Series players or even college baseball players list and not at least throw Mr. Street's name into the conversation. Yeah, I, I would put him on any all-time Texas baseball list, any all-time college World Series list. And this is the rare the rare double retirement mm-hmm. of a number, which mm-hmm. is interesting because uh, Bryant's number, I believe, was retired after Houston Street started at the University of Texas. Yeah. Right? Is that how it worked? Correct. So he was Houston was going to be the last one to wear it. Right. And now, doubly, no one will ever wear it again. Well, and, and similarly, um, they did not retire the numbers of Swindell and Roger Clemens, number 21, until after both of them had worn it. So it is now retired. and is So we have two double-number retirees when a, when a jersey hangs up in the rafters. So just one of those weird things. The weirdest thing, Gerald, about the numbers retired, number 25, number 23, 21, and 20. Bert Hooten at 20. Brooks Kieschnick, obviously, at 23. Um, they only have one number, not in the 20s. That is retired, number three from Keith Moreland, retired in 2010. So if you're a Longhorn baseball player, start seizing up those other 20 numbers. Get you get your name up in the uh, the rafters. That is, I think we've thrown out a lot of stats today, and that might be the most random one. And a great note to end on. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Grittich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. If it ain't burnt, it ain't turned.